So a couple things. Joshua is in Paris with his wife. Some astonishing pictures on uh, Instagram if you're watching that. Isaac is with his job on an every other week deal. So I would appreciate it if you would be very voluminous with your comments so that when he's on his way to work on, uh, on his way home on Wednesday, on his way to work on Thursday, he can hear your comments. Uh, Scott and his three boys are home having a civics lesson tonight because only once every four years does he get to talk about the Electoral College and all that. So they are watching that and uh, we'll get out of here on time as I promised so that we can all go home and find out if we still live in a republic or a democracy. Google living in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> My father-in-law used to think of Iceland, and I'm like, Iceland? It's very great there. a tour of Costa Rica. Ray Hergenreiter did one. Yeah, yeah no, I know. Hergenreiter's yeah, did one. Uh, he's no, got it on YouTube. There's YouTube videos yeah, that he did. There's a whole bunch. Oh. It's, oh. it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. So. They were pretty cool. Yeah. Some pretty good videos. Oh. It was really, it looked like a beautiful place to be. And Nicaragua is economical and the China. A safe place to live, which mm -hmm. surprised me. China. Very few places where you can live and own a handgun. Hmm. Yeah. All right, so how'd you do in the reading? Was it too much? Was it too little? Did you make it? Is it okay? Uh, a little tough for you? Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. Well, it's a lot. Yeah. I think it was my fault, not the reading's fault. Okay. So. Yeah, it's no, way too long? I'm guilty. It's too busy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I so have, I have a lot of time on my hands. I did a good. I did a good amount of reading. <laughs> yeah, it's That's a lot of Just give it out. The reading is tough in the beginning because we're, we've got all the gospels. Yeah. Right. So of, once we get past there. the gospels, we're reading in Acts, it'll it'll be a lot easier. So I'm going to adjust the reading schedule uh, in the book uh, as we as we move forward, just to see how everybody's doing. So if it gets too long, do the best you can, and. Spend more time. That's oh, we get to the epistles, it becomes easy reading. We can only hope. <laughs> and some of them will take half at a time so that we can actually have some time to talk about this. Let's do hope. <laughs> well, yeah. the epistles, the reading is easy. The reading is easy. It's the gonna discussion say, and, the, <laughs> and the questions that are going to be tough. Last time I read Paul, I had to go. Yeah. I had to Very, read. very slow. Very slow to read. Yeah. And Peter Darn. says that Paul is difficult to understand. So we have a buy there. Yeah. No problem. Peter, yeah. All right, so in a nutshell, what would you say is the reason for the Gospels? For them. You've got different perspectives. Why are they there? What's, what's their opening message about? Luke. The, the reason Luke seemed to write it is to give, it's purely historical because his Theophilies? Theophilies. Theophilies. He's writing to... Theophilus, who seems to be some kind of noble somewhere, okay, and he's he's basically just giving an, an accurate account. That's that seems to be his whole purpose. Okay, okay. I, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the the synoptic gospels are there to record uh, the testimonies of those who witnessed the life and events that happened when Yeshua walked the planet as a testimony to who he is. John's gospel, I think, is is really more of the, the theological argument addressed to the religious 
leadership where he's trying to make a point, um, a theological point on who Yeshua is. So Good. I think his I think his his gospel is really more uh, it's deeper theologically, whereas obviously the the three synoptic gospels are stories and recording the events and then recording the teachings and parables of Yeshua. Sure, but you, but they but they, all three of them have a oh yeah a reason, right? I mean. Bottom line, all together, whether it's to the religious leaders or it's to Theophilus or, or whatever, what are they all trying to do? Why did they write? Well, they, they point to the historical, uh, they're, they're seeing Yeshua walking around and how he fulfills the prophecies. Right. Exactly. So, and to them, so they want to, them to is, prove. Here we have the one Moshe was writing about. Bam. So they're wanting to prove or give evidence so that the people can identify him as that one. So, I have this very cool and very old handgun. And you can see there's nothing in there. Uh -huh. <laughs> Put my finger in there. Ow! Don't tell me it belonged to Matthew. No, this was Luke's. <laughs> I don't think Matthew is the kind of... Coming around this side, I do think the, uh, you can see that that's empty. I think yep. Matthew would have... That was a Take a look at that. The wee little man with the wee little <laughs> <laughs> I've seen oh. a gun tighter than that. It's like this big. This is tiny. Oh, this is 380? That's a 25 caliber. Wow. Pass them around. No, put the, put the mag back in so I don't lose it. Now leave it here so we know it's out. Simple. <laughs> it's already been shown to be empty, so let's get that with the gun so we don't lose that. No, but seriously, um, there was a there was an actual gun that was like within the palm of your hand. Sure. Literally this big. Uh, it's I, I read about it in uh, it was a it was a thing about World War One and how there are like these really mini guns that you could fit in the palm of your hand. It was, it was they were really cool looking, and I think uh, soldiers used them to. Uh, well, maybe if they were like prisoners or something like that, maybe if they're captured or something, they could just be like, oh, dang, our guns are gone. I'm going to pull out this little tiny gun, load it with a tiny magazine, just go, pew, 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 pew. Yeah. I'm going to blast my way out of a big situation with a small gun. <laughs> so the one you have in your hand is a 32. Nice. And it's mm -hmm. odd because the barrel... Is a double. It's not a double barrel. Oh. But normally in a, in a gun like that, the barrel which you had at the top, the barrel is actually in the bottom, not the top. Oh. Which is extremely odd. Wow. That's cool. The gun you have in your hand, Ben, actually has a grip safety on it. Mm -hmm. Which oh, most people said was not invented or even used until after World War II. The question I've got for you guys, keep passing, guys, keep passing. Keep, they, get, look, till they get to the young guys and they stop. <laughs> the, the question I have for you is, which one is older. Oh no! That 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 is older. That's got to be older. Wait, wait. I feel like this is. Is this the one you showed me? That was like the first slide. Um. Oh man, it's got a very tiny scope on it. Sight. Sorry. Sight. Oh my gosh. Keep passing, guys. <laughs> Keep passing. Let's that that is really nice. So, which gun is older? How would I demonstrate to you what kind of evidence would I have to give you 
Now, one was older than the other. I think this one is older. Just yeah. well, is there a date on either one? There are no dates on either gun. My, my opinion, this one's older than that one. Okay. My opinion. But you're guessing. I'm guessing, So again, but... from the gospel writer's perspective, they're giving evidence in some way, in their own way, about Yeshua being the master. He's huh. the son of God. One of them was a genealogy. That's exactly right. Okay. Okay. You're asking us which model is older or which physical gun is older? Which physical gun is older? Oh, okay. That one. <laughs> so how would you know? Because uh, he owns them. On the, you, the by, you could know by who owned the gun. and how. If I had some providence of where the gun came from and who it was passed down to, right. if I could write to Colt or I could write to Fabrique National and say, I've got a serial number on this gun. Can you tell me when was it manufactured, when was it shipped, and so forth? Sure. Okay? So the same thing. I could look at the genealogies of the master. I could look at perhaps what he did. If I know where this gun was used, if I know what the master did, his actions could lead us back to see in the prophecies that he is that one. There's a lot of different ways. So whether it's handguns, or it's messiahs, we should be able to look and we need to read the Gospels and recognize that they're trying to do exactly that. Provide the evidence so that you come to the conclusion that in one case, he's the son of God. In another case, he's the son of man. In another case, he's the rightful king. So if they're trying to, to present a witness account, why write for Ah. I think for the same reason I just gave. Okay. Different perspectives. One mm. proves he's the king. One proves he's God. One proves he's the perfect man. And as Greg said, when you get to the book of John, there's a whole different perspective there. And I'd like to look at some of that tonight after we go, go through your, your homework. Where so. they say that he's a king. That's the last perspective. Hmm. The rightful king. Why would... Luke, tell us about Abraham. Or not Luke, was it Mark? It was Matthew. Matthew? Yeah, Matthew. Right. Matthew. Why would Matthew tell us about Abraham and David? Abraham was the establishment, marks the establishment of the covenant. David marks the establishment of the kingship and the lineage of Messiah. There it is. So, boom, we got it, right? Just so there's no questions. Um, the smaller gun is was made in 1904. Oh, no, oh, wait. What's the, the larger one? gun. Me? The larger gun was made in 1914. Ah, <laughs> oh, see, come on. I remember we were talking about that Browning. The Dang it. he had to go to. <laughs> I was um, sure. That's right. Was it Belgium? Yeah, he was going to go to Belgium. Right, he met the guy on the train. He met the guy on yeah, the train because right. he was on his way to the Colt Manufacturing Facility right. in Hartford, Connecticut. This right. is uh, Fabrique National. That's right. Good for you. Okay, so I'm just walking real quick through the uh, through the pages of the of the homework uh, to see if you got any questions. So if you want to just kind of walk through with me, um, do you get this thing on uh, the Midrash Rabbah about the moon? Does that all make sense? He's really not talking 14s, he's talking 15s. So, um, I thought that was pretty cool. 
What about the uh, last prophecy in Matthew 2, the top of page 15? You had Hosea 11, and you had Jeremiah 31, which I thought was pretty cool. The New Covenant is actually mentioned in his uh, story of his birth. But what about the last prophetic reference? The last verse of the chapter. What's the last verse of uh, Matthew 2 say? Let me get there. The last verse or the last? The last prophecy should be in the last verse, I think. No? No. The prophecy that wasn't from Scripture, but it was from the Oral Torah? Yeah, what was that? I can't remember what the prophecy was. He came and settled in the town of Nazareth, fulfilling the words spoken by the prophets that he will be called a notary. That, I think, is the last verse of chapter 2. Sit down. Sit down. So, where does the Bible say that? That he would be a Nazarene or a note through? Nowhere. Um, no, it's it's one of the references that's translated in English as the branch. Right. Because actually, Naz- Nazareth so, is branch town, right? Right. So, so normally... Um, a name from Messiah Zmach. Zmach is um, in in all of the passages where it talks about the branch. Um, Judaism has said forever that's the Messiah. Right. Most of the time, that Hebrew word is Zmach, but in one instance, it's it's not Zmach, it's Netzer, and from that. Um, from there, you can make a connection to, okay, he, he was born in Beit Lachem, he grew up in, in, in English transliterated as Nazareth, which is, shares that same uh, root word of Netzer, which is basically branch town. Right. So the branch grew up in branch town. And that's what the prophets, the, that's what the prophets said. He would be exactly. called a Nazareth, a, a, a Nazarene from Nazareth. Right. From Branchtown, and is. so it, it's it's there, but you won't see that in the English because hmm. it's only you only see make that connection in the Hebrew. What is the uh, what is the branch of reference to? The stump of uh, Jesse. Jesse, yeah, the stump of Jesse. All right, good, very good, very good. I've heard this before. I might have even heard it from you. I don't know. <laughs> What's that? I've heard all this before. Yeah, it's probably well, from you. He, he's he normally gives the branch story. First time for me, I think. It's good though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So who was uh, who was the boy that was left behind in the temple or left in the temple? <coughs> Yeshua, obviously. Jesus, but yeah. back in the pro- in the prophecy, who was it? He wasn't left behind. He was actually left there by his mother. And he was there for three days. Wasn't he? Didn't he stay there for three days? He stayed there and grew up. Oh. Oh. Okay. Remember? No. Oh, right. Okay. I got two things mixed up. Okay. There we go. Okay. Got it. Samuel. Yeah. Hannah prayed and asked for a child. She got the child. She said, "If you give me a child, I'll give him back to you." And she brought him to the temple when he after he was weaned, and he grew up in Eli's presence, the priest. 
Ah, that's right. Well, even even the way my English translation yeah yeah no. words it it words it as uh, Yeshua remained in Jerusalem. Like that. Oh, okay, Jerusalem. he remained there. He, he remained there. He stayed there. Yeah, okay, <laughs> it's like that, he wasn't left there. He he stayed there. When uh, when he gets left behind, how would you uh, how would you describe the parental situation at that time? Without giving away the answer with my question, they're going up for the Passover, and they're in a caravan with everybody that's coming from Galilee. This is going to take days to get up there. What's the parental situation? Yeah, it's in a caravan, right? <laughs> with Mary and Joseph, <laughs> even going. What's the parental situation? It sounds like the family just travels together, and the kids just. Yeah, like a big Italian family. I get that. Mm -hmm. How many kids are Mary and Joseph taking care of? Well, your your head wants to say one. Your head wants to say one. But there's no way it's one. Probably three, maybe more. Yeah. How many brothers and sisters did he end up having? Half brothers and sisters by that time. I don't know what how oh, it was man. all of them, but it's I think like you get seven. Six, six seven total. Yeah. I oh my gosh. so my family is seven, and <laughs> probably seven. The youngest is I'd go with seven. Yeah, seven's a good number. The youngest yeah. is twelve years younger than me. Yeah, lucky number seven. So yeah, yeah. I can never seven. So, seven. Do you ever leave anybody behind? Well, I don't want to incriminate anybody. <laughs> 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 We're recording. All right, all right. So we talked about uh, the mikvahs. There is everybody clear on that. If you go to the, to the Holy Land now, you can actually see um, the mikvahs lined up in a line on, on, the, uh, on the grounds there in front of the wall. So, pretty amazing. So, if you've got your Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew 3, 14. And we've got... Uh, We've got the master stopping, or, or at least uh, John the baptizer. Let's all take a like a an oath that we'll try to not call him John the Baptist anymore. Okay, <laughs> you can call him John the Presbyterian if you want, but really, he's a baptizer. He's not a Baptist, and based on his drinking uh, or not drinking and stuff, would probably lead you to think he was a Baptist, but that's not the case. Uh, if we pick up in Matthew 3, verse 13, then Yeshua came from the Galil toward the Yarden to Yochanan to be immersed by him, but Yochanan tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be immersed by you, and yet you come to me. Yeshua answered and said to him, Permit me, for so it is appropriate for both of us to fulfill the entire tzedakah. So he permitted him. What is that all about? I gave you my idea in the... Uh, in the study guide that uh, I think that John said something that sounded just like a phrase in the psalm and he, he jumped on it and went with it. That doesn't seem to be the master's norm. He normally, as far as I'm able to tell, so far everything I've read, he did, he did everything because he was supposed to. In fact, he goes out of his way at times to say, I'm not doing anything of my own accord. Everything that I do, the Father has told me to do. So, why 
does he say this? How is it that he's fulfilling all righteousness? Was there some righteous deed about being baptized that needed to be done? What are your thoughts? Well, it, 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 it could be... So we know that Yochanan is a priest. He is a Kohen. Correct. There are some views and opinions that Yochanan should have been the rightful Kohen Hagadol. Whoa! Because remember, at this time, the high priests that are actually... Oh yes, we talked about it last week. ...aren't even Levites. Completely corrupt. (laughs) Right, Aaronites. The high priests, right? We've got two of them. We're only supposed to have one. Right. So... There are some there are some opinions that because uh, Yochanan was a legitimate Kohen, there's some who, who think, and there's some other ways they get there, and I can't remember all the ways they get there. But there's some who view that he was supposed to be the legitimate Kohen, <coughs> which means then that if that's true, and even if it's not, I think. The, I think the point still holds, but okay. it's especially if it is true. You have to have a priest. A, a priest, uh, number one, is the only is the only one who can declare a, a the Lamb of God, right? So we see, we see. Is it? Uh, yeah, I think it's. Is it here or certainly in Luke? Where you got says, the synoptic behold, one, behold the Lamb of God, absolutely right. Only the Kohen could make that declaration because one of the jobs of the Kohenim is sure. to determine which who is fit, right? First, is there a blemish or not? Right? That's good. I um, like that. <laughs> the and, and so uh, and so the other the other thing here is we know that this. Event is what begins the public ministry of Yeshua. Correct. And he was probably about 30 years old at this time, which according to the Torah is when a Kohen begins to serve. In So there could be, a, there could also, re, because he is a priest, Yeshua is a priest of a different order. Different order, right. But... It could also be appropriate here that in order for him to begin his ministry, he has to he has to go through you know this this process of mikvah and being anointed. Right. And a Kohen is the one that would kind of oversee would need to do it. That process. Yeah. So here he is standing in front of a legitimate Kohen who could potentially actually be the legitimate Kohen Haggadol, right. and and he's and he's going through this process as a as a marker to say, okay, now he's been he's been he's been baptized, and of course the the Holy Spirit descends right. on him as a, as a as, as a, a evidence that he's now anointed, right. and he begins his his public ministry. I like that. I like that a lot. And an argument could be made that in this. In this time frame, Yochanan certainly would be an undefiled priest, correct? Based on what we've read and heard, 
Oh, just that thought that he could be, he could have been the legitimate high priest. Just it seems to fit really well with some of the things he did uh, in terms of you have the prophet, you have you have what Malachi said about you know, I will send the prophet Eliyahu to proclaim right. you know the day of the Lord. But with the historical things, what you said, but what was happening at the time where the the priesthood was corrupt and all these things, from that perspective, it would make a lot of sense if he was the high priest because he was. He was baptizing other people, not just. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's also this is all kind of plausible, circumstantial evidence. Right. You couldn't ever definitively say this with one hundred percent certainty. But why was why was Yochanan? Why did he grow up in the wilderness? Like, why was he not? Why was he not? In Jerusalem, in the know. temple, working with his dad, right? Who also was a priest. Yeah. So <laughs> there, so there, so there are some of this view that Zechariah sent his son into, into, the into the wilderness because John's life was in danger uh-huh. because the corrupt leadership did not want the legitimate Cohen huh. to. Now, plot, don't yeah, don't yeah. know, right? Yeah. So you can't, you, you could never be. It just, even with the circumstantial stuff, it just seems to me, John's life makes more sense when viewed from that perspective. And and me. then John is also make making the the temple, the Sadducean leadership who control the temple, who are corrupt, as well as Herod, making them uncomfortable. Why? Because he's calling them out. He's he's out in the wilderness, right? Yeah. And he's preaching repentance to the to the people, but he's also publicly calling out the corruption of the leadership. Yeah. And they are not happy about that right. because he has the he's got the charisma to potentially rally the common people and bring them all together. Right. Um, Mary online. Uh, said perhaps Yeshua is actually playing to that and trying to bring recognition to John mm. by sub- submitting to him in this way. Yep, could be, could be. Yeah, I like it. I'm kind of confused as to how. I mean, how do you fix it, right? Even now, how do they fix it in Jerusalem with the Temple Institute and rebuilding the priesthood and? Getting a high priest. How do somebody's? I guess you got to choose him. Somebody's got to choose him, right? So I'm wondering if you know you've got a corrupt priesthood back then. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, the folks that are in that role are not even priests. They're not even Levites. Right. Obviously, they go. But how do you how do you pick the guy? Because it's it's, it's normally to father be. to son. Right. But I think in I I think that. Whenever you've had a break in the in the chain for this for this right. long, right? Like exile or something like that. It has to be the the co the uh, the the Cohen Haggadol has to be. He obviously has to be a true Cohen and it has to be a descendant of it, right? Sure, sure. So he has to meet all the other criteria. Mm-hmm. But I think the the equivalent of this of a Sanhedrin or the recognized leadership, leadership of, of the of the <clears throat> nation has to say. That's the guy. That's the guy. And, Do they and, are they not and, raising children now in the Orthodox yeah. community that are actually taken from the 
from the birthing stool or from the hospital or whatever yep. on doors. Yep. Have you read that? Oh, yeah. They're carrying them on doors so that their shadow will never pass over a, a cemetery or a grave marker because in their mind that would be uh, huh. defiling and therefore they can't yeah, serve. Yeah. There's a local school in Jerusalem that is training. Deep stuff behind that. Co- there's training Kohanim on all the temple services. They're right. just waiting for a temple. Yeah. Wow. You got all the garments, the whole deal. I, I just think that is so cool. Soon in our days, maybe in yours. So pay attention. You might have to step up. This is the kind of stuff I'm here for is to think about it that way because we would think, oh, he was out in the wilderness like the monks and, uh, you know, from the universal church point of view. Right. <laughs> he's out there making himself suffer to be more godly and, you know, and to, forsaking, to be alone. Forsaking all of the stuff he ought to be doing. You're right. But yeah. in this case, we see that maybe he's protecting himself or his father is protecting him so that he might fulfill a role. Either way, very cool stuff. And I Thank see him you. when you're talking about the mikvah, he's, and then you're talking about the sort of like an inauguration for Yeshua. Yeah. Um, he's so he's, he's, so he's doing the mikvah. Is God doing the anointing with the Holy Spirit? Would that be maybe the anointing? Oh, oh well, so, so I mean, those, to, be clear, to be clear, <laughs> God always does the anointing. Yeah, the, but the, the, the putting on so of the oil, oil is, is just symbolic, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, well, you obviously, you being anointed. It doesn't mean it's not going to work. Bring the oil. <laughs> it's like conversion. Yeah. The bait team doesn't convert anybody, the bait team just confirms what God's already mm-hmm. done in the person's heart. Right? Exactly. So, which is exactly what happens when we witness to other people. Right. We're, we're not doing anything. It's God who's going to do that work. Yeah. Okay. So, but for one, one quick thing before we move yeah, on. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. There was a there's a reference about <clears throat> some priest that was murdered. Um, priest or prophet? Was it a prophet? What, what, um, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. You've got to say some. He was murdered between the altar, the and, altar, yeah, and the. And it was a prophet. Okay, it was a prophet. Yeah, because yeah, the master was who talking. Was the name of the prophet. Um, the master mentions him. He says, "From righteous Abel to Zechariah, you killed all the prophets in Jerusalem, even." Was it Abel? I can't remember the guy's name. Between the altar and something within the temple. I thought it was Zechariah. I thought he, I thought Zechariah is the name of the one that was. It could be. It could be. Maybe there was no name. Um, from righteous Abel to Zechariah, who Amos. was killed. Was it Amos? No, Amos. Amos wasn't there. But. Uh, is it the prophet Zechariah, as in the Navi that's in the book? Okay, Zechariah ben Berechiah. Berechiah, yes. Okay, Zechariah ben Berechiah. So that is the it prophet. Mentions the, the, it mentions okay. the blood of righteous Abel right before it mentions him. Yeah. That's probably why okay. yeah. All right. It's cool, though. It's cool, though. I love these, I love these little rabbit trails. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I don't know if you want to get into the uh, the timing thing. Mark one fifteen. I love reading Mark. By the way, did you like Mark? Mark's quick. Mark immediately this happens, and then this happens, and then and then immediately this guy did this, and then well, he 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 starts later than anybody else. He starts immediately when yeah. Forget the, the immersing. Forget the lineage. Yeah. Forget where he was born. Trip down to Egypt. We don't need any of that. <laughs> we skip the important stuff. This we guy was in down. the water, came out. He's the Messiah. <laughs> that's it. Hey. We need to get to the point. That's done. That's right. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, so um, the time is fulfilled uh, from Daniel 20, uh, 9.25, Isaiah 61. What, what time was it that was filled up? What do you think about that? Jesus says... The time of the, when, the, in the, when the fullness of the Gentiles. Is that... That's later. Oh, oh. In Paul the, uses that. Time. It's, it's the same thing. It's a full, in the fullness of time, God right. sent forth his son. That's one. Right. And when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, He'll come again, but he says that the time was fulfilled in uh, Mark one fifteen. Was he? Because the verse before that references that John was arrested, as as like that was a trigger. Like, okay, now it's time. Okay, I didn't see that as a trigger. Okay. So was that referencing what? Like like like. So time to gear up. Well, Malachi says, "I will send the prophet Eliyahu to prepare the way." Was the preparing the way finished? Right, we're done with that now. We are on the way. I got it. Okay, I can work with that. I can work with that. Nice, nice. Triggered. So what did uh, what did Yeshua tell those tax collectors? What's the deal there? Don't be a tax collector. <laughs> Try plumbing instead. Was Don't that the message? I don't think. Tax Oh, I know. I, I wrote down the message. I wrote down the. I wrote down the. What he said. Page sixteen. Did I lose you, Greg? No. I, well, I guess I, I just went back and pulled up Mark one fifteen again. Um, Yeshua came into the Galilee, preaching the gospel. Of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Right. So, what's that time is fulfilled all about? Daniel 9.25 and Isaiah 61 have references to timing markers. Daniel 9's got the weird thing with, you know, 60 weeks and 7 weeks and 4 weeks and 2 weeks and a couple of days and, you know, that kind of deal. But there seemed to have been a trigger in that. I didn't see before. That's cool. That maybe, but, but I think it's also important when he says the kingdom of God is at hand. He'd been saying that from the beginning in some of the other gospels, but yeah. now he says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of hand, God is at the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Almost like it's more at hand now than it was fifteen minutes ago in Mark's view when I said this two days ago. It, at least it seemed that way. Maybe not. You're just I mean, thinking the generic kingdoms I, at hand? Well, I think the time the time is fulfilled, and that could be, I mean, there certainly could be a connection back to the tiny markers and Daniel and some of the other prophets, because there's a right. lot of right. There's a lot of mystery just in Just the fact that he's right. there means the kingdom is at hand. Right. <clears throat> the fact that the Messiah has <clears throat> shown up means the kingdom is at hand. Right. And, and what does that mean? When he says that to the people... You know, in the Galilee or out in the Judean wilderness or in Jerusalem, what do they? How do they interpret that phrase? What does it mean to them in that day? Right. 
what will it do to help me on the provenance of that gun and knowing when it was? What did they think it meant when he said that? He had said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. It was always repent. This one doesn't have repent. Does it? Uh, no, it does. It still has? Yeah. So the thing hand, he's thrown repent in. Repent and believe in the, in, the, in the good news, in the Besora. Right. So the, so the thing that he's inserted this one time is the time it's fulfilled. Right. Well, this is the first time he begins to, like, preach, for lack of a better word, correct? Like, had he done it before, other than when he showed up to be immersed? Well, if you're in Mark, no. But if you're in other places, yeah, he's he been saying, repent, that? the kingdom of heaven well, he, is at hand on the regular. Wait, we're talking about Yeshua or, or John here? Yeshua. Yeshua, okay. I kind of think if the kingdom of heaven is at hand only started when Yeshua came, it would be almost like a dispensation. So I think that he's saying repent and become part of the kingdom, but that repenting and becoming part of the kingdom has always been available. But, but so I think the kingdom of heaven has always been at hand, and this is him coming and telling us well, but it's always, if it's always been wake hand, up and know that the if kingdom it's always of heaven been is at hand. Why would he? Why would that be such a prominent yeah. point? Of I, I think question. that the kingdom of heaven is close. Is a better way for us to say that at hand, right? Is close, like closer than it's ever been, because now he's here. So I do think that's different. But the time being fulfilled, um, Frederick is is uh, is calling me and saying, now John said the same thing. Uh, in Matthew 3, 2, way before he goes to jail, that the time is fulfilled. Yeah, so I, I, think the, well, I think the time being fulfilled is just a generic statement, meaning, hey, Messiah is here. The time, is, the time for Messiah has arrived, which is why the kingdom is at hand. Right. But what does that mean to them? What was he, in other words, that, that's, that's, a, that's an expression to them, what does that expression well, mean? I think that them has to be quantified. Because if you're saying that the to Jew, the Simon Jew. the Zealot, I think it means something a little bit different than maybe Matthew the tax collector. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think in the context... You're saying just a religious context? I'm, I'm saying in the context, these Jews from the Galilee or from, you know, that were going out into the wilderness to hear John or what, they're... What is this? What is this? This expression, "the kingdom of God is at hand." What I believe he's saying, which is why it's significant, is when a Jew heard the kingdom of God is at hand, what they what they understood that to mean is that Messiah so is coming, come. and he's going to reestablish his king. the kingdom, the kingdom of David. And the throne of David, and he's going to inaugurate and bring back the glory days of Israel, like we like we had under under, under King David and, and, and Solomon, yeah. right? It, which which also means throwing off the the Roman, the, the Roman occupation, right? And 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 judging the nations and True. all of that. He's asked later on, "Are you going to set up your kingdom now?" Right, because that's what they're expecting for sure. But but the fact that he's saying it means it had to have been true. Meaning it had to have been possible in that day that Yeshua was ready to do that. 
Absolutely. If they, they repent. were willing. And unfortunately, they did not repent. They, they, as a nation. Sure. And, and we see he weeps over Jerusalem <coughs> later on because they would not. But, but this is how, do, how does he fulfill the Lamb of God who has to die for our sins? How does he fulfill that if he was willing to do the kingdom at that point? I'm wondering, I'm, I think I'm getting where I, you're I don't, going. I don't, hey, but, 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 okay. I mean, so that's a good question. How and I think, it, I think it dovetails into... But that's why, yeah. that's why he had to be rejected. It's almost like um, was he tempted in the wilderness? Well, God can't be tempted. But if he wasn't tempted, then he wasn't tempted in all things just as we were. So could he have been tempted? Well, yeah. If he couldn't have been tempted, it wouldn't have said that he was tempted. But he can't really be tempted. Well, I guess he could be tempted. The, he was giving it up. He was offering it. Here's the kingdom. Come and take it. All you have to do is repent and, and believe in me. And they could have. What do you mean he yes. couldn't have been tempted? What do you mean by that? God can't be tempted. So let's go back to Jesus when he's in the desert and he's tempted by the <laughs> devil. Yes. And he rejected. So I'm saying he was tempted. You understand okay. that, right? All right? I'm trying to show the dichotomy. He can't be tempted because he's God. But he was tempted because he's man. Did he surrender? It's the same thing. Did he surrender it and became a human? It's the same thing. Here. Did he surrender and become a human? Can he not? Did he surrender and become a human? Philippians 2. It's the great reduction. No question. Okay, so when he got tempted in the desert, could have been, could have been you, could it have been me, could it, was it human? There's, tempted? there's no question he was tempted. I'm just using that as an example. The humanity of Christ comes into a question here. Was Christ, as a human, tempted by the devil? Was he the second Adam? There's no question about that. Okay. That's not where I'm going. I'm using that as an example to say God cannot be tempted, but he was also fully man. So there's a dichotomy there. Because the, the same devil would use that. The in, devil would use that against us. Right. So what I'm saying is here, it's the same thing. He offered the kingdom. And would they, not have had you done. Yeshua was ready and prepared yes. to usher in the millennial reign in, <coughs> at this time in this generation if the generation was willing to believe, to repent and believe. Absolutely. If that's not true, he's lying. And he can't. He How would he, he fulfill the, the Lamb of God that sacrificed and died for us? Because that is why they had to reject him. If, and but wait a minute, you're why, saying that if they would have repented, he, he wouldn't have to go to the cross. But they couldn't. And they had you just said, you're, you're saying yes. double, you're, you're speaking out of your double side of your mouth. I think yeah. you either, no, 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 you're saying, you're, you're saying, I can't understand what you're saying. Explain. If he didn't have to die on the cross because he, they would have repented, you're telling me he wouldn't have been on the cross. He didn't have to die. But it, isn't it, it's exactly like Mount Sinai, Explain isn't it? Explain that to where, me. I don't understand that. Where they said, yes, we will do the commandments, but they couldn't because they could only do it through God's power. And so then he came and said, okay, well, I'll, here's how you can do it is through me. Here's, here's, so they could not repent. 
and he fulfilled the prophecies. What makes us let, let's let's go back to what makes us different today than the Jews in Christ time? Well, here's the here's the and this answers that question. I think. Come on, guys. What makes us different today <laughs> than the Jews? When I was following what you're saying, I'm thinking. Okay, there's two things going on here. There's the nation and and the peoples as a group, and then there's also the individuals within. The group. So even though the nation could not repent. The individuals can still be saved, and, and and that's that's an important point because in the Hebraic mind, salvation is primarily a national issue, not an individual issue. Correct. Christianity makes salvation all about the individual, and only the not saying it's not but also the only but Christianity has reversed it. It's all about <coughs> are you saved? Yeah. Whereas the Hebraic mindset is. We're a covenant people. Are we all and, saved? And it's the it's it's a national salvation right. that's 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 most important. Yeshua He's is offering a national salvation. Yeshua is only going to save Israel oh, no. and those who attach themselves to Israel, mm-hmm. which is the which is the work of Messiah. That is the good news to a Gentile, right? So. So you have here, you have here a, 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 from my perspective, you have here a situation where had the nation, um, particularly as represented by the leaders, right? Because the leadership of a nation represents the nation. Sure. Had the leadership of the nation been able to put down their pride, their ego, their corruption, and and say, Baruch HaBab Hashem, right? And recognize who he was and accept him. He would have. He would have brought the kingdom. That phrase meaning, he right. would have he would reestablish the throne of, of of David. But that was not going to happen because, from the foundation of the of the of the world, he had to be rejected, as the prophet said. And he had to be because. Saved. His people had to be blind. Who, who blinded them? Hashem. Why? Why would Hashem do that? So that you and me and the rest of the nations Non-Jews. who were far from God, who were cut off, etc., etc., Ephesians chapter 2, would actually have the opportunity to become part of the kingdom before the kingdom gets established again. Because once the kingdom's established, everybody out of the pool, it's over with. That's it. So. It is a a weird thing to try and say he offered it they could have taken it it's the same argument we can get in with Judas did he have free will could he not but he did he didn't have that kind of thing as long as we're clear he had to ultimately offer what to who I'm sorry offer what to who he offered and they rejected it what what was he offering that they reject the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. Are we, are we talking about restoration of the kingdom of Israel? We're we talking about the, the changing of hearts and, and, and transforming the individual from a sinful nature to a righteous nation. Or, or are we talking about the kingdom, the earth? I, I, you know, I'm missing the whole point. Because when we go back to Genesis, we're talking about Adam and Eve. And you said it all started back then, and we all know it did. 
Adam and Eve sinned, violated God's commandment, got thrown out of the garden, and it all went to pot from there. So what was Jesus doing when he came to this earth? What was he trying to fulfill? What was he trying to restore? The nation of Israel? <coughs> Bringing it back to David's time when David's time was a disaster. I think that is the, that is the promise. But, but, of, that's the promise of Messiah, is to redeem Israel. Yeah, but the whole promise is that the new Jerusalem is coming from heaven. It's not bringing, it's not in, on earth. The new Jerusalem is coming down from heaven. But that that's, 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 in that's, that's in the world to come. That's not in the millennial world. He's going to reign in the Jerusalem that's still on this planet right now. But we're getting off track here. I, I understand and I agree. That's going to happen, by the way. <laughs> You're right. So Be ready. I agree. He offered the kingdom and he offered it genuinely. Yes. That's, if, they that's would, if they would but repent, he would bring the kingdom at that moment. And Obviously, moment. it was a legitimate offer. But we also know now, historically, it was impossible that they could possibly accept that gift at that time well, we because they were blind. We even knew it without the history. We knew it just from the prophets, right? But, sure. But the reason all of this is significant is because of, I, I know you've got to focus on how this impacts non-Jews. Exactly. And you're right. This There'd be this, no opportunity. This is a pivotal point when we're talking about the good news for a Gentile. Right, but we didn't get to the pivotal point yeah until the end of his life, then we know for sure. Yeah. Right. But you're right. You're exactly right. All right. Whew, that was good. All right. So did anybody feel like it was a ding on the Kennedys or the Bushes when I said that they were a political family like Caiaphas and Anna? Okay. We'll, we'll Just want to make sure we're okay there. Um, I want to... I think I'm okay with the Bushes being dinged. Back end of uh, John. Actually, it's right before that. At the back end of uh, Luke 5. The Pharisees got upset because Yeshua said, your sins have been forgiven. Instead of, take up your mat and walk. Why were they upset? And were they right to be upset? And what was Yeshua doing? Where Luke five? What's what we're Luke five seventeen? Luke five seventeen. The Pharisees came all the way from Jerusalem. They've been walking around the Galilee, going through fields, following after him, and he heals this guy. Well, they're. What are they upset about? They're upset about because they they he said your sins are forgiven. Why is that a problem? Because only God forgives them. That's what the prophets said. Yeah. So, and by forgiving the sins, that means he's indirectly saying he's God. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. And that is called heresy. Or not? Nah. Okay. Yeah. Starts with a B, ends with blasphemy. Blasphemy. I was. I ended with the right letter. Yeah. Yeah. It's blasphemy. Except in the in the rare case where you happen to be God, then it's okay. Then it's prophetic. So for those folks who tell us that Yeshua never said and never claimed to be God, they must be reading a different book. This is clear. He is, he is going out of his way to actually use the phrase, your sins have been forgiven, and he does it again and again and again. He even drives the point home 
immediately following because he asked the question, which is easier to do, needs to say forgive sins or tell these men to get up and walk. Exactly. At, at the very least, he is saying he has the authority of God. Correct. At the very least. Good. Okay. Why are you baptizing if you're not the Messiah, you're not Elijah, and you're not the prophet? Who are these three people that they're describing? The prophet, Deuteronomy 18. Good. This is the one that will come which after is, Moses. Which is Messiah. You bet. So John's saying, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah, and I'm not the prophet that's been described, because right. they're still thinking of two different people. Right. And what about Elijah? Why would they think he was Elijah? What's up with that? Because Elijah was... was Understood or prophesied to come back, which is exactly. interesting to ask him that question when they had John just before that. You know, although Yeshua says Yochanan is Elijah, if you can believe it, right? Right, yeah, so it's so scratch most of the list. <laughs> no, that's correct. What's that? Um, Aaron said scratch Moshe off the list, but no, he's the prophet. I got it right. Oh. <laughs> What's that? Moses. The third uh, Messiah, Elijah, or the prophet. The, the, the prophet, prophet is like Moses. Is like oh, Moses. The like prophet Moses. like Moses from Deuteronomy 18, right? Awesome. I got yeah. it right. Sweet. Good for you. Yay. I wasn't so. I was. Uh, I was actually questioning that. I wasn't so sure if Moses was the prophet. No, no, like, he's uh, not well, the prophet. In Deuteronomy well, 18, he he says a prophet will yeah. be raised up like yeah. him. I, I wasn't cool. so sure if that was Moses or not. So I was like, oh, nah, so what about the what about the map on this on this Cana wedding. <laughs> Did you check that? I, w I had a blast with that. Uh, what, what was the question? Well, he's got the... They're out of wine. Oh, yeah. Right? And he says, fill these jugs, these jars, with water. Public service announcement. Yes. The Republicans retain control of the House. Not that that's a surprise. Yes. That's official. The House we got, but we don't know about the Senate yet? We don't know about the Senate. Okay. okay. Yes. Why would they be surprised later? <laughs> so, if you do the math, Yeshua provided this man on his wedding day with 180 gallons of wine. That's, I mean, conservatively, 900 bottles of wine. You lay that in the cellar, you let that keep till the, the you, Messiah returns. <laughs> 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 it's like, you see this bottle of wine? Now, keep Let's put these bottles of wine in the back wine in the cellar. day were, were a, a one-week affair. Yeah, so days a whole week of... Still, still 900 bottles, man, that's, that's <laughs> a lot for you and me. <laughs> Take at least one bottle, you hide it. Yeah, you gotta lay that one down. Lay that one down. Why don't we have week uh, week weddings these these uh, days? Why not? Why, it's like, too what expensive. happened? We can't afford it. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, inflation happened. The economy what went up. What about the honeymoon? So it'll be a year old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Take a year off. Make <laughs> your wife happy. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> I would take the honeymoon for a year instead of a week wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Any so, day. Next week we'll uh, next week we'll get into Yeshua's interaction first interaction with a non-Jew. This week we had his first interaction with the half-breed. Yes, sir. One, I think, important point with the whole turning water into wine. That is the first miracle that 
Yeshua does after he's been anointed. We don't know that. And it's if you first, first miracle recorded. We don't know that because if you, I mean, everybody says that, but if we, if we look at the chronological gospels that we've just gone through, he's already healed a bunch of people, and those are miracles. Yeah. Uh, We're just making the assumption, and you may be right that he went to the wedding immediately after that. Right. But the way the chronological gospel I, is laid, I don't think it matters no. whether it was the first one or not. But I like what you're about to say. Tell me. Um, the question is, why is this? Because this is actually a very public miracle, even if it's not his first, right? It's you know, he's there. Yes. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a it's a big festival, whatever, big wedding. Why is this miracle significant? What is it about turning water to wine? And how would that have been interpreted or understood? You know, uh, from a from a Hebraic perspective, and there's 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 some interesting midrash on this because the midrashim teach that one of the things that Messiah will do when he comes and reestablishes the kingdom is he will serve the best wine preserved in the grape from the Garden of Eden at the wedding supper, yeah. to use the Christian yeah. term, right? That is Messiah's job at the feast. Is that right? So here you have Messiah at a wedding feast. Providing and awesome And is providing even better, the best wine, right? Yeah. That, that was the significance of right, the, right. Of the, pay, of the, of the uh, participant who said, Wow, most people say you know bring out the uh, the best wine first, and after people are sort of tipsy, they don't recognize that the the wine's gone down. But yeah. you 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 know what what host brings out the very best, saves the very best wine for last, right? That miracle is basically him saying, "Okay, I'm the Messiah." Here I am. Nice. Is that in the Midrash Rabbah? Oh, that is in Midrash Rabbah. I need to find it. That's one of those wow. like, kind of look around to see who got the, who got the inside joke. Like, did anybody else notice that? <laughs> <laughs> the calling card of Messiah, according to that Midrash, is he will serve the best wine at the wedding. The wedding. It's the, yeah. it's the modern day How? I like it. of calling your shot. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> That's good, because now we've got yet another checkbox. Yep. For the Messiah deal. Excellent. Hey, who brought this uh, great wine? Oh, I think it's that guy over in the right. corner. Hey, guys! <laughs> All right, let's take a look at uh, at this handout real quick. So just a little, uh, you guys probably have uh, heard this or seen, seen it, but most folks, um, and probably most of the folks that are watching online or are, uh, are listening on the, uh, on the recording later, don't have access to actually read the Targums. So um, just to get a, a better perspective of where John's coming from, obviously he opens up and pushes us right back to the creation story uh, with the deep mysticism and the esoteric secrets and all that, the divine wisdom. If you were a new Torah student, you could not study that stuff. 
Uh, in fact, uh, in the Mishnah, it says the laws of Ma'aseh Bereshit, that is the work of creation, may not be expounded between two people. That would be a, a teacher and student. Hmm. So you're not allowed to study that stuff until you're old enough in the Torah and a good enough scholar to do that. And the reason is that you might blaspheme against the Messiah because the Messiah is all over creation. So we see in uh, Proverbs 3.19, 8.22-23-30, somebody got those, let's read those out loud, um, that wisdom was there at creation. So you got that? Somebody give me Proverbs 3.19. Somebody give me Proverbs 8.22-23. And, and somebody give me 8.13. I've got 8.22. you got 8.22. What's that say? 8.22 and 23? Have not made me as the beginning of his way, the first of his ancient works. I was appointed before the world, before the start, before the earth's beginnings. Good. And verse 30 while you're there. 30. I was with him as someone he could trust. For me, every day was pure delight as I played in his presence all the time. Nice. Um, 319. The Lord by wisdom. Hang on a second. You got it, Ben? Oh, He's going to do Psalm 111. Got it. All right, so give it to me. What do you got? Tom? The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. Super. So wisdom was there during creation. In fact, an agent of creation. Psalm 111, verse 10. Uh, the fear of Hashem is the... What does it say? The, the Rashid at the beginning. Rashid Hothman. This is, what are you reading from? <laughs> 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 I've been so confused this past one. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a tough one to read but from. I actually never read from that one. Get a regular Bible. Jewish Bible. Okay. <laughs> so, the Fear of Hashem is the Rashid Chokmah, the beginning of wisdom. Sechel Tov, have all they that live by it. So, good, Sechel Tov, like goodwill or whatever. Uh, his his tahila praise endureth forever. All right. <laughs> so we got wisdom there, and you need wisdom to read that verse. Put that down so you don't don't hurt yourself with that. <laughs> so a targum is, uh, is 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 a translation of the of the Hebrew Bible into Aramaic, but it's I wouldn't call it a translation. Um, Good news for modern man was uh, was big when I was younger. Um, paraphrase, I guess. Uh, what's the one out there? The the uh, oh, the amplify the, the message. The message. That's the one I think, right? So these are all these are all paraphrases, right? So they're bringing their theology in there, and they're bringing their potentially their traditions in there. Um, that's what the targums are, um, but it's the theology and the traditions of the sages and of the uh, people of Israel back then. So uh, here's Targum Neophyti on Genesis 1.1. From the beginning, with wisdom, the Lord created and finished the heavens and the earth. And of course, that's scriptural. They get that from you know, Psalm 111. Psalm 111, from Proverbs 3, Proverbs 8. It's right there. So the Torah and God's wisdom are equivalent. Okay, And uh, we see after that, uh, we'll bring some more on to that. So we've got a little problem, right? If God is transcendent and if he's beyond his creation, he's other than his creation, he's above it and away from it, then how is it that we read in the Bible that 
he creates Adam and forms him, you know, evidently with his hands out of the dust? How is it that he breathes life into Adam? How is it that he walks in the garden? He talks with them. He talks face to face, mouth to mouth with Moses. How does all this go on? How does he rest on Shabbat? These are things that we would do, not someone that's outside of and beyond our comprehension. So the mystics tried to fix that. They tried to come up with a way that explained how God could interact with the physical world and yet not blow the transcendency. And this is where we get um, this whole idea of an expression of his being. The word being an expression of his will and his wisdom. That's where this comes from. And uh, um, that transcendent thing, there's a there's an analogy that turned us on. I got it ready. Oh, you got it ready. Right. Yeah. There's an there's an analogy that is help. It's helpful for me as as one way to try to deal with the transcendence. Deal with the transcendency issue because it's really something. It's really beyond our comprehension. Which is the definition of transcendence. Exactly. So, so one analogy is if you take. Um, Everybody knows the Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Okay. Who doesn't? So I don't. So, <laughs> oh, no. J.R.R. Tolkien uh, creates this entire world, this Middle Earth, yeah. with languages and characters and good guys and bad guys, and he, he creates this entire realm, right? Yeah. So he is the creator of Middle Earth. Literally, he creates Middle Earth, right? It's his, it's his creation. Does Gandalf or Frodo or pick any character, do they know that J.R. Tolkien is their creator? No, they don't. No, because J.R. Tolkien transcendent. is transcendent. He is outside of their the creation. World. Of their world, okay. So, they're not, they, 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 they may have ideas about how their world came into being, which may include, you know, that there's a God or a Supreme, you know, whatever, however you want to describe it, but they don't know specifically that J.R. Tolkien is their creator. Right. So, if J.R. Tolkien wants to make himself known to the characters in the world he's created, how would he do that? He has to write himself into the Yeah. Make him a character exactly. in this world. That, to me, is, is a, That's cool. a, a framework for trying to explain something that by definition is unexplainable. That, that, I like that. I like when you, that. When you use a like literary that. example... The fact that he's called the Word, yes, and he creates with the Word, the word is beautiful. That is wow. good. That is good. You got some. You have something. Uh, yeah. Six. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, 
all their host. There you go. So we've got God's Torah and God's wisdom and God's word. Everything, right? So divine living word is not less than God himself, but it's a finite form of God that can interact with the physical world. So the Targums use a couple of different words for that. Um, Dibber is one, which means divine speech. Memra means the word, and it refers to the living word. So take a look at how number 789 is translated in the Targum. And when Moses went inside the tent of meeting to speak with him, then he heard the voice of the Dibber, or the word, speaking with him above the cover that was upon the Ark of the Testimony from between the two Cherubim, and from there the Dibber would speak with him. That's literally what the Targum says. Look at the next one. Uh, Memra being the same deal, right? Then the Memra of the Lord said, let there be light, and there was light, according to the decree of his Memra. So you've got Dibber, Memra, and if you look at Greek, John uses Lagos. So it's a, it's a representation of God, a finite representation of God, that's still with God, but can interact with us. So on the last page there, I gave you three versions of Deuteronomy 9.23. Whoa. The first one is right out of our normal Bible. When the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and take possession of the land that I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God and did not believe him or obey his voice. We know that verse. We know that story. So how did they do it in Targum Neophyti? And when the Memra of the Lord sent... Remember, they're going to bring in their theology. This is Jewish theology. They're going to bring in their understanding, right? And when the Memra of the Lord sent you from Rekim of Gia, saying, Go in and inherit the land that I've given you, then you rebelled against the utterance of the decree of the Memra of the Lord your God, and you did not believe the holy name of the Memra of the Lord, and you did not hear or listen to the voice of his Memra. Now that is almost going to be verbatim what John uses with the Lagos in John 1. The next one out of Targum Ankalos, And when the Lord sent you from Rechem Gea, saying, Go up and inherit the land that I have given you, then you rebelled against the memory of the Lord your God, and you did not believe him, and you did not receive his memory. You didn't hmm. receive Seems to have his word. Seems I've heard this before. Things. And sure enough, if you look then at John 1, in the beginning was the Lagos. He uses Lagos. He's, he's writing in Greek. The Lagos was with God. The Lagos was God. I mean, that's what it's all about. He was in the beginning with God. Wisdom, the word, all things were made through him, and without him there was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not yeah, receive him. him. Just like the Memra, right? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, same thing as... Uh, <coughs> Neophyte used, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, and the Lagos became flesh. flesh. Hence flesh. David. No, 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 sorry, Adam, sorry. Yes, just like Adam. So, um, I, I was surprised, because um, I, I normally don't spend a lot of time in the, in the Targums, because 
sometimes I just get lost, but I, I just... Yeah, because really, it, of course, it could be debated whether John wrote in Greek. In Greek or in Hebrew, yeah, I get it. But he certainly thought in Hebrew. You bet. So really, or Aramaic, which was the street language, so really, in the beginning was the memra. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, those are interchangeable yeah. concepts. Yeah. So he's, he's right there, and he's providing a very clear explanation of who he is claiming Yeshua is. Yeshua is the wisdom of God. Yeshua is the word of God. Yeshua is the one, the representation of God that was with him at the beginning, at creation. And when the spirit of God was hovering over the waters, that was the spirit of Messiah. That was Malagos, the Memra, the Dibber. And that's the one who just became flesh and is walking amongst you now. And, just to dovetail onto that Please. reference to the spirit of Messiah, or spirit of Elohim, which the sages say is the spirit of Messiah, hovering over the waters, Genesis, 1 chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. When the Spirit of Messiah becomes flesh and walks among us. It's no coincidence he's the only man in any Jewish literature anywhere that hovers over water. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. We have other Jewish men who split the water and go yep, through yep, it. Yep. Multiple. But we only have one times. Jewish man oh, in any Jewish piece of literature who hovers over the waters. Jesus. According to what the sages said, Messiah does, Genesis chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. Moses split the waters, but Jesus floated let's, over the waters. Let's not forget the, the, the 12 seconds walked, that walked. Peter hovered over, over the water. Over the water. Yeah, this is when the Messiah <laughs> yeah. called. And he didn't. He, he yeah, messed that up. <laughs> yeah, he messed that up. That's good. So we've got the wine is a, uh, a great Colin reference Parker to Messiah. And then hovering over the water. I like it. I That's like cool. It. Final comments on the first lesson. Malachi 2.17. Yes. interesting for reasons unrelated to this. <coughs> okay. Um, it, it says, hold on, I'm sorry, I should have had it. I just thought this was an interesting um, commentary on just where we are, like where our country is religiously, I guess, okay. like being predominantly Christian. Um, or, or Muslim, depending on what day it is. Well, <laughs> you have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you ask, how have we wearied him? By saying that anyone who does wrong is good from the Lord's perspective, then that he's delighted with them, or by asking, where is the God justice? It's like, you know, the God is love message. Yeah. And, and saying... Well, God loves everyone, so anything they do can be, it, it, he, he's, he's fine with anything. Yeah. He's covered. And that's not true. That's true. It's not true. So I thought that was interesting. He is a God of justice. That's good. Well, why don't you grab that uh, Talmud there and give us the bottom half, but you have to do it. Plural. In the, in the plural. Okay. Let's give in us the, the we stuff here. Let's pray, guys. Hmm. We thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall, and you have not established our portion with idlers. But we arise early, and they arise early. We arise early for the words of Torah, and they arise early for idle words. We toil, and they toil. We toil, and receive reward, and they toil, and do not receive reward. 
We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come, and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, And you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed will not, and deceit will not live out half their days. But as for us, we will trust in you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brock. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your uh, spirited uh, discussion and uh, participation. I know it encourages those that can't be here. Um, do your homework. It's important. Yes, sir. And I think it should be easier now that you got this. I mean, if you look at the study guide, you can read along with the with the questions and get done fast. Huh? All right.